This episode of the Airline Weekly Lounge is sponsored by IATA Training. More than 1 million students have boosted their aviation careers with them. Visit www.iata.org training to discover how they can help your aviation career. That's iata.org training. Okay, here's a story you could spin either way. United Airlines had a strong second quarter. They made a double-digit operating profit margin at 14%. Revenues were strong, and only an 8% cost increase prevented United from matching last year's stellar second quarter. Champagne all around, right? Or you could look at it another way. Right. The glass-is-half-empty argument goes a little like this. United's 14% margin was less than Delta's 18%. It was less than Americans' 16%. Southwest had a 21% margin. JetBlue and Spirit had 19 apiece. Alaska, 23%. Hawaiian, 22%. You look at those numbers, and United is a clear underperformer. And that underperformance is something we've discussed on this show before and will again today. I'm Jason Cottrell, Vice President of Airline Weekly, and joining me is somebody who doesn't even know what the word underperformance means, Seth Kaplan, Managing (laughs) Partner at Airline Weekly. I, I thought addition, you were talking about somebody else. I thought you brought her a new uh, co-host or something. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so I, I guess I was thinking back, did he ever underperform anything? And I was thinking, I did see your apartment when you were in your 20s. Maybe <laughs> there was some underperformance on housework. Yeah, bot- bottom of, the, of that industry. Right. In addition to United, we'll check in on a bunch of U.S. carriers who recently reported second quarter results. Southwest, American, Spirit, Alaska, JetBlue. There's room for everybody in the Airline Weekly Lounge. Thanks for joining us. We're talking about United's 14% second quarter margin. It was noticeably lower than its peers, but not by a long shot. If that 14% were, say, 17%, we would be having a much different conversation. And even at 14%, we are talking about a very healthy airline, $846 million net profit during the quarter. Seth, looking at the quarter specifically, the year before number was 16%. And of course, Delta posted an 18% margin versus United's 14%, and Delta actually widened its advantage a bit. Is United going the wrong direction? I guess by definition, yeah, you know, because of what you just said, right? The 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 differential, uh, you know, the gap widened. Delta actually improved its its margin. That 18% was up a bit from last year. United's dropped, so so sure, I guess you could say it's that's going in the uh, in the wrong direction. Uh, even though by uh, by almost in any uh, in almost any other context, you know they're 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 doing very well. Um, you know, IAG, for example, International Airlines Group in, in Europe, the owner of British Airways, Iberia Voiling and Aer Lingus, uh, also hit fourteen percent, actually fractionally lower, fourteen uh, percent than uh, than United. And we view them right now in glowing terms, you know, as a, as a company that's doing quite well for that region. Uh, and so, um, so yeah, it, it, United is only doing poorly compared to uh, most of the other U.S. airlines. But then, uh, you know, that's that's kind of your measuring stick very often, right? Is how are your, your peers doing? You know, we all understand they're doing better than uh, Air Corio in, in uh, North Korea, for example. So, um, you know, it, it's 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 not a huge difference, but it is uh, it is it is a significant one. 
one. And, uh, you know, if the broader question is sort of, you know, is this just still the same old United who, who underperforms? Um, you know, I think it's, it's too early to say that. Um, you know, there are some specific reasons why uh, why they underperformed uh, that might be only temporary. And, and there are some some even clearer reasons why Delta actually managed to improve, you know, whereas others didn't, uh, most specifically at all, of all fuel cost performance. Delta had some, some bad wrong way hedges a year earlier uh, that when they wore off, actually helped Delta this year pay less for fuel, which was which was a major reason it managed to improve its performance this year. Uh, United, on the other hand, by virtue of of uh, you know, to its credit, not having those bad uh, those wrong way hedges a year earlier, uh, paid a lot more for fuel uh, in this year's second quarter than it did a year earlier. So where do they go from here? How do they catch up? Uh, yeah, so 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 then that's where sort of those where I said some things that you know that legitimately might be only uh, temporary. Uh, come into play. I mean, one thing is United's uh, exposure to Asia. Uh, it's it's that's a more important reason to uh, region rather to United than it is to uh, to to Delta or or American. Uh, and sure enough, Asia's tough right now. Um, you know, there's there's just all that new nonstop flying. Chinese carriers and others, um, and and United kind of took the first step, I and mean, we've kind of known Asia's been been weak, but up until now it's kind of held tough in terms of markets. Um, but uh, San Francisco Hangzhou seems to be going away. That was the uh, the, the Seth Miller, the, the the wandering Aramean blog, was the one who picked that up. Notice it gone, and yeah, that's 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 not bookable beyond uh, a few months from now. Uh, so. Uh, so, so you can imagine for United to um, see that market as being so hopeless that it wasn't kind of worth hanging around a little while longer for for uh, strategic reasons, for competitive reasons, you can imagine it must have been absolutely awful. Um, and so, uh, so, so you know, Asia is is uh, is an opportunity to improve things. Uh, I mean, look, they're United's not just going to cut and run from markets. Uh, left and right, but uh, you know any kind of reduction in growth by others uh, carriers from Asia who have been growing uh, their their presence to North America would would be would be helpful to United. Um, you know, in other words, if, if if demand growth finally can start to outstrip supply growth, because fares in that, and all you have to do is look up airfares to that part of the world. It's just uh, it's just crazy how low they are. Uh, United says it's. A co-branded credit card relationship, but in its case with with uh, J.P. Morgan Chase, uh, and I guess uh, Visa as well, is less uh, less lucrative than Americans with uh, City and Mastercard, and, and American also has has uh, has, has another relationship with. Um, Barclays, right, uh, and uh, Delta and American Express. Um, so, so America, United sees that as an opportunity to improve things if, if it can make more money from that. Uh, basic economy. United has rolled out uh, very broadly. Uh, you know, basically everything domestic, which might sound like an achievement, uh, but it actually puts United at a competitive disadvantage uh, from a uh, for, from a consumer standpoint, because in a lot of markets, it's basically off. Basically, no pun intended. Offering. Um, uh, basic fares um, that are that cost the same as as you know, standard fares, let's say at American. Uh, so if you're flying from Chicago to Dallas and and uh, you know you're looking at United and American, uh, often the the uh, the price will be the same. But on United, you're not going to get a seat assignment, and you're you know the fare is completely inflexible, uh, and 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 all the, you know not not upgradable. All the rest of it, you can't. Bring a uh, large carry-on bag. Um, so United sees that as something also that, as American catches up, 
you know that that competitive disadvantage will, will go away. Uh, also, of course, Delta still includes carry-on bags. It doesn't restrict people from carrying large carry-on bags with its basic economy fares. Uh, so, you know, we'll see if if uh, if that remains the case. Um, and, uh, and so, you know, we'll see it's, it's, uh, it's not a huge gap, uh, again, especially considering the, uh, the the difference in, in, uh, in, in fuel price, um, trajectories, the price is actually paid by United and, and Delta. Let's talk about a United competitor frontier. That airline announced it's adding 21 routes to its Denver hub. United was rather vocal about it, saying that Frontier was pivoting from a point-to-point model back to a hub-and-spoke model. Is that a fair assessment? And if so, what is the significance? Well, uh, I mean, look, it. it uh, first of all, I, I asked Barry Biffle, the, the CEO of Frontier, after that, you know, whether this was from from his perspective some kind of uh, strategic change, and he said no. He said, "Look, we never stopped selling the connections. We've always had a robust uh, connecting uh, uh, network in Denver, um, and 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 this doesn't change that." Um, you know, I, I've been trying to figure out what's what's really going on here. I, I mean, I, look, I should say, Frontier has delayed its IPO. Um, United, at least broadly speaking, is, 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 you know, seems to be right that something, you know, uh, something's not entirely, uh, okay at, 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 at frontier. Um, and then there's, there's the question about whether it's just sort of a broader issue with, with the, uh, ultra low cost carriers in general. We actually have a cover story about that this week, uh, in, in the newsletter, um, you know, with the way the big three are, are more aggressively competing against them. But uh, yeah, in terms of frontier at, at, at Denver, uh, so one thing is, yeah, so they, they, they put out that, that, uh, uh, you know, I think they announced the, 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 what was it, twenty uh, something all new cities and eighty something new routes, uh, including as you said, twenty one uh, new routes to Denver. But here's the thing that those that's those aren't net additions. Um, you know, my first thought when I saw that is, okay, well, how are they funding that? Because they're not getting that many new airplanes uh, that quickly. Um, and and just looking specifically at Denver, you said twenty one new routes, okay. Um, but I see looking at Dio, um, nine Denver routes that'll be gone by November, which is to speak nothing of others that uh, that they would likely have to cut if they actually end up flying everything that they announced um, when they made the big announcement. You know, some of it was kind of loaded, available for sale immediately. Um, you know, the flying in October and so forth, and other stuff was kind of next spring. But uh, so Denver, and, and if you're curious, by the way, those routes that are gone, uh, you know, West Palm, uh, Missoula, Montana, Cleveland, Bozeman, uh, the, the Montana, Bismarck, North Dakota, Pittsburgh, New York, LaGuardia, they're out of that, out of Denver, LaGuardia, Greensboro, uh, Knoxville, that, all of that according to, uh, as I said, DOMI scheduled, uh, DOMI uh, scheduled data. And it's interesting because there's no clear pattern. You know, it's, it, it, it's uh, some of those are sort of, Cities that seem not so different from, you know, Boise and Louisville, which they've added, um, uh, you know, kind of smaller mid-sized markets, um, you know, but then uh, then you have, you know, sort of the, the big, uh, you know, more leisure oriented sort of, you know, West Palm. Anyway, so we'll, we'll, um, we'll, we'll see. Uh, but United is right that Frontier seems to sort of be trying to figure things out, right? Uh, and now, look, that doesn't change the fact that this is difficult for United, right? United has to has to deal with all of this and has to compete against all of this. It's 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 uh, very clearly taking this seriously, and and uh, 
and and pulling no punches in 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 doing so. But you know, if on a net basis, Frontier puts more ultra low fares into more uh, United Origin destination connecting markets, you know, I mentioned okay, Boise and Louisville. Well, now you can fly from Boise to Louisville on on uh, Frontier uh, at a rather low fare. You know, that is something that that uh, that United has to contend with. Before we move on to Americans report, I want to thank our sponsor, IATA Training. Did you know that 36 million new aviation-related jobs will be needed in the next two decades? Offering over 350 aviation-related courses, IATA can help you take advantage of this huge opportunity and boost your career. And even better, if you register more than three months in advance, you can save 20% on course fees. Terms and conditions apply. Visit iata.org training for details and start shaping your career in aviation. That's iata.org training. American Airlines did quite well in the second quarter, 16% operating margin, net profit $944 million. Like Delta and United, AA also saw a revenue increase that helped offset increased costs. Unit revenues increased at Philly and Miami in particular. Seth, tell me about that. Yeah, and and, and look, American did... Uh decline in terms of its operating margin compared to a year ago. And and that decline was uh was roughly the same as what United experienced. Let's see, uh yeah, American down about a point and a half. United, yes, same thing. So so um performed better as you said than United, but they both um slid back by about the same degree even as Delta uh, improved again, though. Here, really, the big difference was uh, was was fuel cost uh, trends. You know, had Delta experienced what American and United experienced in terms of paying more for fuel because fuel was you know was more expensive this quarter or, or last quarter rather. Um, you know, it, it's it's uh, its trajectory would not have been uh, so different from those of of uh, of the other two. So uh, yeah, having said that, uh, you said unit revenues at Philly and Miami. Uh, I mean, look, Philly. Um, uh, American has reduced its flying uh, somewhat there. I mean, nothing, nothing all that significant, but you know, single-digit uh, capacity reductions, and that's an airport where it, it you know, it, it dominates the market and uh, seems to have probably achieved what it what it set out to achieve. I know there are people some there there are some people there who are kind of worried. Oh, is it you know pulling down Philly? No, it's 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 a, you know, it's a very profitable hub for American. But you know, when you are engaged in some. Uh, some very fierce battles around the country in competitive markets like New York, Los Angeles, Chicago, and so forth. Uh, and and you know you don't want to give ground in those markets. Uh, and in fact, in some cases, you want to build up those markets as as, as American has done well. Uh, if you're not growing rapidly as an airline, which American is not doing, um, you, you know the capacity has to come from somewhere. And and, and American very clearly looked at a place like Philly or Phoenix, uh, you know, and said, look, this is a place where we can uh, you know pull down a little bit um, and still be the most attractive airline to uh, to uh you know especially a place like philly with a, with a decent corporate travel community still be the most attractive uh, airline to that community and if anything by pulling a little bit of capacity out of the market kind of squeezing up the uh, unit revenues and, and that's what seems to have happened there miami uh is is largely a macroeconomic story um you know things are uh uh, economically off their lows in in Brazil, uh, to be clear, still far worse than they were a few years ago. But the combination of economic trends, um, at, at, at least uh, going in the right direction there, and uh, the significant capacity cuts by American and and uh, and everybody else um, have resulted in uh, in very positive unit revenue trends um, in in uh, in those markets. And so when you have Latin America. Uh, 
uh, off its lows economically along with the capacity cuts uh, obviously for an airline with a uh, with a Miami hub uh, that's that's going to be a uh, that's going to be very good news and so um, you know so 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 you know and, and that's the big difference for American here as opposed to United and something that can explain uh, you know an important part of the differential between the two in terms of United performing uh, not quite as well as American is the simple fact that for United Asia is very important Asia not so important for American uh, whereas uh, Latin America is very important for American uh, less so uh, for United, and so uh, so here you have this this region that for American is so important that's uh, that's performing better, um, clearly off its lows. Whereas we very much cannot say the same uh, at this point about Asia. It's probably early in the game, but how's it going with the newish long haul premium economy product? Yeah, well, it, it's at this point it's basically just just uh, you know. Uh, bookings um, uh, that you're looking at more than anything else, but uh, but they, yeah, they, I mean they they say it's 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 booking very well, and uh, yeah, that, that would be no surprise if that if that were the case. You know, this is something that's clearly worked very well for most airlines around the world uh, that have tried it. Um, it's new for a U.S. carrier. Uh, you know, Delta here is going to have it uh, as well soon, but yeah, you know, it, it's it's one of those things where uh, it doesn't. Arouse any sort of suspicion when when American says that something that's you know it's just, it's just worked very well for uh, for airlines around the world, including its including its partners, um, uh, its joint venture partners, British Airways, um, Japan Airlines. I mean, American has been selling premium economy for a long time, uh, just hasn't had it on on its uh, on its own aircraft, and so uh, yeah, they seem to. Uh, to uh, be uh, very happy with that. Um, I'm sure it'll be good for Delta. And, and a big question, by the way, is whether United uh, will will indeed match that. Hard to imagine they won't, um, but they haven't yet announced anything. Looking ahead, will we see a JV between American and Qantas? And what would that mean? Well, if American and Qantas have their way, well, if they had their way, there would already be one. Um, uh, the regulators in the US, um, uh, uh, well, President Obama was still in office, uh, said, said no. Um, so, you know, they can try again. Uh, very unpredictable right now. Uh, very unpredictable regulatory environment in, in, in the U.S., you know, whether the supposed, uh, you know, friendliness toward business would carry the day uh, against the protectionism. Uh, you know, I, I've, I have no idea. Um, but uh, no, that's something that they... Um, uh, they're important partners to each other. Qantas has 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 uh, has already called American um, its most important partner, um, which is significant. Um, you know, when you consider what what it has with with Emirates, uh, in that case, you know, a true operating joint venture uh, already um, uh, to to uh, you know, using Dubai basically as a uh, as a hub between. Um, between Australia and and um, and uh, and points on the you know, points west of Dubai, essentially in north. So uh, so yeah, no, I mean they would they would they would like to have it. Uh, we'll see here if they uh, if they do uh, try again. Hard, hard to imagine at some point that it wouldn't. I mean you've got you know New Z- Air New Zealand and and uh, United um, getting theirs going. Hard to imagine uh, that at some point they wouldn't figure out a way to make uh, regulators happy in a way that wouldn't you know dilute all the. The value of, of the JV, but um, but 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 uh, so far, uh, so far nothing new with that. Okay, now that we've seen the uh, results for the whole first half of the year from the big three, the U.S. big three carriers, let me ask you just a few general questions. Um, what's the transatlantic market looking like? 
there are clear capacity issues uh, there, competitive issues uh, from, from the perspective, uh, especially of the U.S. Big Three. Remember, the transatlantic kind of looks different to U.S. airlines than it does to European airlines in the sense that for European airlines, uh, um, you know, for a while anyway, it's been a market that, you know, whatever issues it had uh, was still a, a standout performer. Uh, compared to other regions, whereas if you're uh, a, a U.S. carrier and, and you're talking about the big three, um, these are airlines that uh, you know used to look abroad for salvation, used to love the transatlantic market because it was, it was better than the domestic market, um, and and that's and that's no longer the case um, uh, for them. Uh, I mean, they, they they sort of emphasize look, it's still still profitable. Um, so yeah, they're they're you know they're watching very closely to see. You know what continues to transpire at Norwegian, uh, uh, for example. Um, you've got now uh, Delta, the Virgin Atlantic, uh, Air France, KLM, along with Alitalia, joining forces together. You know Delta being, uh, assuming all goes well, re- you know, from a regulatory perspective, will be in one giant joint venture, um, which uh, which should be good uh, for for them and for everybody. Um, you know, essentially, right now, you you kind of have uh, two. You know, Virgin Atlantic is 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 to some degree right now a competitor uh, for Air France KLM. Not you know, obviously, they're not the most direct competitors, but uh, you know that would no longer be the case uh, across the Atlantic. Um, so that would be one. Uh, a helpful thing from the perspective of the big three, even as some of this other uh, capacity continues um, to to uh, to pile in. So uh, yeah, hard hard to be too exuberant about the prospects for the transatlantic from the perspective of the big three. Um, just just given everything that's uh, given all the other growth outside their control. And what kind of capacity growth are we seeing from both these air or from all three of these airlines, uh, both domestically and internationally? Well, um. United is growing um, meaningfully, meaningfully more quickly than uh, than American or Delta. American or Delta kind of flattish. United um, uh, single di- low single digit growth, but um, but uh, but it's 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 a growth airline. In the case of all of them, basically more domestically than internationally. You know, and and again, that's that's different from from how things were uh, up until not long too long ago. But you know that's 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 where the action is right now in terms of profitability is is uh, is is domestic uh, U.S. I mean, look, these airlines are also nimble now. You know, uh, if they see opportunities internationally, they'll 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 ramp that up. Uh, they can ramp that up pretty quickly. But um, but yeah, right now, uh, a pretty typical thing would be you know more or less at least that American and Delta more or less you know flat to very slight growth overall, kind of driven by positive growth domestically and and uh, if anything, slight contraction internationally. And what's your outlook for the big three? Just take us forward a bit. Well, Jason, what's your outlook for fuel prices? They're going to stay exactly the same forever. <laughs> you know, I say that only half joking because it, it really, uh, a lot of times people ask me things about the airline industry. I say, well, you know, you tell me what's going to happen with fuel prices and I'll tell you everything else because it really does determine, uh, you know, so much about the about the industry. And, you know, what's happened here over the past few years is, is you had falling fuel prices, um, which for a, a while produced basically bumper profit profits for uh for for these airlines um because um you know eventually revenue trends um correlate with fuel price trends but there's kind of a lag time so if fuel prices fall uh you know what you had here was for a while 
um, you know, a revenue environment that was kind of as if fuel had still been, uh, you know, was still expensive. Um, but but in reality, you had, uh, you know, those cheap fuel costs and still, you know, very strong revenues. And then predictably enough, because this always happens, the revenue trends kind of followed the fuel uh, the fuel cost trends. You know, air, the airlines had started growing again, putting more capacity into the marketplace, which can be perfectly rational um, when, when fuel is cheap, when it's more of a fixed cost industry again, when it makes you know more sense to to utilize your assets intensively keep the airplane in the air but uh you know but eventually um uh, you do get the falling unit revenues which we had seen those have now stabilized uh you know in delta's case actually turned around on, on their way up uh you know, and american and united uh, stabilizing to uh uh to to just a bit less of a degree and so uh you know so look so if fuel prices were to spike here uh, that that would at least for a while be a threat. Um, you know the, these airlines have figured out how to how to manage it all over the long term. But if fuel prices were to rise very dramatically, well then you get the opposite of what I described a minute ago. You know you'd have these sort of you know rather low airfares that are still out there as they are right now. Uh, you know people flying around on tickets that they purchased that you know in some cases they've already purchased, but much higher cost. Um, but yeah, I mean look uh, in terms of their costs, I mean these are airlines that um, that have already uh, you know agreed to new deals with with uh, most of their labor groups and so forth so they've they've kind of already um, you know taken that hit and and are are still doing reasonably well uh, this is the airline industry there are always threats everywhere these are global airlines we're talking about you asked me about the big three so of course uh, you know threats around the world um, you know are, are particularly important to them in a, in a way that they're not to um, to to the more domestic focused airlines an airline like let's say Southwest which is almost entirely domestic you know compared to most airlines around the world um, and, and compared to their own history uh, you, you got to feel pretty good about the uh, the future for the for the uh, for the big three but the short-term future and uh, medium and long term Next up is Alaska Airlines, who led all U.S. carriers in the second quarter with a 23% operating profit margin. How much of their story is about the local economies they serve, and how much is it their? Uh, how much of it is their business savvy? Uh, it's 55% one and 45% the other, uh, and I'm not going to tell you which is which because um, uh, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, no, it, it 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 really is. It really is both. I mean, this is a. Uh, um, uh, a very well managed airline. I mean, they've you know you look back uh, over the past decade or so, and they've they've been out in front of a lot of trends uh, in in the industry uh, in terms of their product, in terms of the way they distribute it. You know, the fair families. I mean, a lot of stuff that you see everywhere. It, it, it was Alaska was was um, was was very early. And uh, you know the unbundling. I mean, they're a rather upmarket airline, but they very aggressively unbundled their product. Uh, they they did they did the bag fees right. You know, they when they implemented them. Uh, you know, the, whereas JetBlue for a while was scared of doing it. Alaska said, "Hey, we're gonna we're gonna charge you for the bag, but then we're gonna." You know, we're going to compensate you if the bag's not out there on the carousel very quickly. A lot of a lot of stuff like that. They just they just you know really sort of um, figured out a uh, very aggressive competitor. Um, uh, you know, all their partnerships with all the airlines around the world. I mean, it, the, the, there's there's a there's a lot that they do very very well. Having said that, you know, if if they were based in uh, the, the North Dakota, okay, maybe that's a stretch, but you know, if they were based in Houston. Um, they would not be putting up the margins uh, that that they're putting up right now. Um, if you look at the big three, um, well, let's say take take an airline like United. I said Houston. You know they have a big Houston hub, 
And United has has you know nimbly uh, to their credit moved some capacity from a place like Houston to places like uh, San Francisco or Denver, you know, to to be more exposed to to the better economies. Um, you know, Alaska, um, all of its eggs are on uh, are in the West Coast basket, right? And 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 especially. Uh, especially Seattle, uh, also Portland. Now, of course, uh, having having purchased Virgin America, uh, ex- exposed to San Francisco to the Bay Area economy, which is booming. Um, you know, uh, Southern California as well, doing very very well. Um, and so, uh, uh, you know, so so in its case, the, the oh, and you know, for that matter, trans transcontinental markets, you know, which, which are, which are doing well. Um, so, so, you know, all of its exposure, almost all of its exposure, uh, is to markets that are doing very, very well. Hawaii, uh, you know, is, is, is an important market. Hawaii is doing well. Um, so, uh, you, you know, it, it, it's, this is a very well managed airline, um, that also, uh, has, has some luck and, 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 you know, Jason, usually when you see an airline, uh, performing extraordinarily well, there's usually some combination of of uh, you know an airline that's that's run right, but also some luck, uh, some luck involved, and and so yeah, so they 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 have uh, they have both of it, and you know if things ever change again, you know if fuel prices were ever to get um, to become very expensive, and uh, you know if the tech economies were to soften and all that, um, yeah, this is an airline that although it would still be fine because you know it's starting from such a high point, an airline that you know that 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 would be uh, perhaps disproportionately exposed to those uh, to those negative trends. Alaska made a three hundred and twelve million dollar net profit. More than thirty million of that was from Virgin America. Is that thirty million a good number? Well, um, you know, the Alaska side is still uh, the, the the better performer. I mean, it, it, I mean, just kind of in crude terms, at thirty million, kind of less than ten percent of the full. Uh, as you said, the, the over three hundred million dollar net profit. Um, even though Virgin America is not only. Ten percent the size of uh, as an airline, but um, y- you know what happens with the with mergers is that pretty soon after it, it it gets silly to talk about the two sides because they start swapping metal, and you know you have you'll have Alaska flying a route that Virgin would have been flying, and and you know it's basically a Virgin route, but uh, you know but it's flown with Alaska metal and so forth. So so. You know, all I know is when you put up an, when you see an airline putting up the margins like they're putting up, uh, you know, apparently Virgin isn't uh, isn't isn't too much of a problem. Uh, you know, even though I, I think legitimately it's still the the, the Alaska side that's the uh, that's the better performer. But the whole point of this was that uh, of of the the uh, the acquisition from from Alaska's perspective is that. Um, it could do. It felt like it could do a lot more with Virgin than Virgin itself could do with what Virgin had um, in terms of, well, sure, swapping metal, but especially just with the air, with the uh, airport assets, just all kinds of um, you know opportunities that the bigger airline would have, uh, and and uh, but, you know, and, and here they are already without even having uh, really integrated the two uh, at at the top of the industry. Another airline enjoying the benefits of operating in a strong coastal economy is JetBlue, 19% operating profit margin, $211 million net profit. One thing that's helping is a strong transcontinental market, isn't it? It is. Uh, yeah, I mentioned that that's, that's good for Alaska, uh, good for JetBlue too. This, this, for, for, for much of JetBlue's history, that was uh, kind of a drag on its earnings. You know, it felt like it needed to be in those transcontinental markets, but uh, Transcon, uh, it was weaker uh, than it's uh, flying up and down the the eastern seaboard. Uh, but Transcon is booming right now. Um, you know, connecting those 
rather strong East Coast markets with those very strong West Coast markets. Um, and so even, you know, even Mint, which, um, you know, I still don't know that that is, uh, uh, you know, a, a, a driver of profitability rather than a relative drag on earnings for JetBlue. But, um, you know, having a premium product in, in, in markets where there's all kinds of premium demand right now, you know, certainly doesn't turn out to be a bad thing. And uh, so, so, so yeah, it's, it's uh, Transcon um, now, if anything, uh, with some of some other markets becoming uh, more competitive, you know, flying from uh, give me an example, you know, Newark to Florida is now more competitive than it was a few years ago. Uh, kind of a nice balance to have uh, to have Transcon um, sort of pick up the slack for some of the maybe more um, some of the markets that were traditionally more profitable uh, for JetBlue that um, that are now under at least at least some pressure, even though they're still profitable. One more thought on JetBlue. We used to say about them that they weren't enough like a ULCC. And over the years, they've made a few changes. Uh, but this quarter, JetBlue surpassed Spirit in performance. Spirit posted a 19% operating margin, but JetBlue's 19% was fractionally higher. Is this about JetBlue catching up or was this a one-off glitch for Spirit? Yeah, it sounds like a Good cover story topic, um, and as I mentioned earlier, that's why we that's why we wrote one this week. Um, no, that that the, the, it's 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 a very interesting question. Um, uh, you know, there there's indisputably the margins have converged. Um, you, you know, look, um, Allegiant uh, had the biggest margin decline uh, of any of these U.S. airlines year over year. Now it started from a very high place. You know, it was thirty percent last year. Um, you know, now that's 21%. Um, and that's something that, uh, you know, if you're most other airlines, you'd be, uh, uh, very happy with, but yeah, it's, it's, um, uh, right. All of a sudden those, those ULCCs aren't at the top of the industry. Now I should, I should say, uh, Frontier's numbers, we haven't seen them yet. Frontier's still a private airline. Those numbers will sort of the, the trickle quietly out of, uh, out of, uh, department of transportation's. Bureau of Transportation Statistics here at some point. There won't be an earnings call or anything. But um, uh, again, if you're just sort of looking at Frontier, you wouldn't be surprised to see with some of the moves that it's made in delaying the IPO if uh, if, if if it too is is uh, is feeling the pinch. Um, so in terms of your question about JetBlue um, versus uh, Spirit, yeah, uh, JetBlue has unbundled its product more. It is, um, right, charging for, for bags and... Uh, um, just just starting to uh, to densify its seating, uh, and and look in in this environment um, with the fare compression that that we're seeing. In other words, um, the fact we've talked about it before, Jason, but the fact that you know when you have well, you know, a few years ago pe- there were people flying Spirit who didn't necessarily want to fly Spirit, but they were willing to fly it to save a whole lot of money. Um, you know, sometimes hundreds of dollars, right? Uh, when, when, when prevailing airfares were rather high. Well, when you've got JetBlue out there with, you know, $39 one-way fares in some markets, which they have, you know, by definition, Spirit cannot save you hundreds of dollars <laughs> compared to a $39 fare. And so that's, that's put some pressure on them. And so I think JetBlue, by unbundling the product, um, but still being sort of this well-liked upmarket airline, um, has, uh, uh, has, has probably squeezed 
spirit somewhat in in uh, in, in competitive markets, and, and and they do compete um, in, in in quite a few markets up and down the East Coast. And now, uh, you know, a lot of these um, uh, the, the, these international markets to the near abroad from Fort Lauderdale, JetBlue has grown very aggressively, and so there too, um, you know, both the local market from South Florida to those places in Upper South America, the Caribbean, uh, Central America, uh, and connecting markets, which, which you know they both sell connections there. Uh, um, from other places in Fort, Fort you know, over Fort Lauderdale to those places um, that can't be helpful for uh, for Spirit. And it sounds like United is taking aim at Spirit a bit. Is is that going to be a problem? Uh, well, it seems to be. Uh, you know, Spirit uh, Spirit's earnings call um, for the past quarter was uh, um, was. I mean, it's worth a listen. Um, it it, it, it uh, definitely there's been somewhat of a. You remember the movie Trading Places? Um, uh, you know the, the you know the, these ultra LCCs for a while couldn't do anything wrong from from an investor standpoint, uh, and uh, you know now it was sort of Spirit taking the tough questions. Uh, you know, basically, analysts, Spirit was saying, "Look, we we." We, we've we've endured this assault, and at first they kind of danced around who they didn't name names, but they said hubs like you know Chicago and Houston, and you know everybody knows they meant they meant United, and they you know, sort of stopped even uh, really trying all that hard not to name names. Uh, but anyway, it, it, it um, yeah, clearly that's that's an issue for them. Um, if 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 uh, if these uh, if the big three, which uh, for for you know for a while. Uh, going back up until a few years ago, sort of, sort of agreed with the ultra LCCs that they were competing for different markets. Uh, now they see, you know, that you know they feel like they're fighting over the same customers. Um, look, on one hand, um, uh, you know, if there are very low fares in a market, you know, if United is getting very, and it's not just United, but you get United, you know, going after Spirit very aggressively. Uh, in in competitive markets, um, I mean, Spirit is the lower cost carrier, right? I mean, that means if you know, United's losing more money than Spirit is on, on, on a very low fare, uh, the difference is that United is a giant global airline, um, uh, which you know nowadays has 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 the ability to um, uh, to swallow uh, swallow some medicine um, to to uh, to endure some short term. Uh, uh, pain in exchange for what it hopes will be a longer term uh, strategic gain. Um, and so, yeah. So again, if, if prevailing airfares are going to remain rather low, uh, just overall, where these ultra low cost carriers can't differentiate on price to the same extent that they could. And if the uh, the major airlines, um, you know, meaning the big three, meaning, you know, uh, the the, the, the market LCCs too are going to uh, uh, compete aggressively against the ultra low cost carriers. Um, then at least relatively, uh, it should be no surprise to see their margins uh, converging, even though it should be said again, uh, you know, for, for all the worry about spirit uh, and all of the, um, you know, relative um, excitement over Delta's earnings and, uh, you know, the, satisfaction at least let's say over uh, the, the earnings at, at american into a degree united spirit still has the uh the 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 at least slightly higher operating margin for the uh for, for the second quarter and seth as you mentioned that other major ulcc allegiant they were down from 30 percent operating margin the year before down to 21 percent this year should they be alarmed well, I mean, look, that's that's uncomfortable to decline by that much, right? Uh, I mean, look, there's there's um, 
there's a lot going on there, you know, operational issues and, and, uh, uh, and and the, the, a lot of turnover in the executive ranks there. They're they're uh, you know one of their former top executives. Uh, now the CEO at at uh, Sun Country. By the way, let's see what they do next. Um, you know somebody who is Jude Bricker, his name was very very uh, very influential in in Allegiant, achieving what it has achieved. Now taking over sort of a troubled small airline uh based in minneapolis um you know keep our eye on them uh you know are they and what i mean is plainly are they going to become uh the the next ulcc uh in in america but in terms of allegiant look you know they need to get their hands around uh the, the around the operations um they 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 know that um that's actually expensive to do if you're going to build in more spare aircraft capacity i mean over time that's going to improve because uh their fleet still has a significant Significant amount of uh, the, the the old MD eighty capacity. It's going away very rapidly, uh, replaced by uh, Airbus three nineteens and three twenties. But uh, no, I mean, this, look, this is an airline that is like Spirit, um, like Frontier to varying degrees, being forced to do things that it's probably not so comfortable doing. Uh, be you know to, to sort of use the sports analogy being uh being forced to play uh, away games rather than home games you know it it uh I'll give you an example a, a, a newspaper reporter uh called me was covering the fact that allegiant had pulled out of um uh santa rosa california that's uh that's sonoma county like sonoma were you know, wine country there uh and uh you know, you know why did they drop that market and allegiant look i mean they they're They've they've always gone in and out of markets. They um, have very little patience for markets that that don't perform well uh, rather quickly, um, and they've been very successful doing that. So it, it's not alarming when they when they when they drop a market. But what was interesting about that one is that you know they had gone in there uh, a market that looked to, to them, I guess uh, you know maybe underserved and ripe for uh, you know the some cheap nonstop flights to the uh, Las Vegas and Phoenix, which is what they launched. But then American showed up, uh, flying at first to Phoenix. Then United showed up, uh, flying to 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 San Francisco. And all of a sudden, uh, yeah, this market that went from underserved to to very well served, and I guess from Legion's perspective, overserved, um, because uh, you know because they dropped it. Now, um, uh, you know. An important part of Allegiant's success has been um, sort of all these little, you know, sort of small, mid-sized cities, airports um, that have been abandoned by larger airlines. Um, you know, after consolidation and, and all, you know, expensive fuel and all the rest of it over the past oh, decade and a half. Well, now you have, uh, you know, American having gone back into some of these markets. United uh, very clearly stating that it's not going to let American going in, go into one of these markets and and uh, sort of vacuum up. Passengers who can connect onto you know international destinations without United going in there too, and you know if you get a lot more of that kind of growth from the big three, uh, then you know then then that is uh, somewhat of a threat to Allegiant. So uh, again, the you know, having said all that, we're we're talking here about an airline that remains one of the most profitable airlines uh, in 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 the world. Um, just a very innovative network model. Um, they've they've done a lot right. Uh, you know, is it possible that their days of just completely outsized profits relative, relative to everybody else are behind them? Well, you know, they, they uh, uh, you know, I guess you have to consider it a possibility, right, to have a, uh, a decline like the one that uh, 
that that they experienced. And last but certainly not least is Southwest, which posted a 21% operating profit margin. That was down from 24% the year before, but 21% is still pretty good for an airline that doesn't charge for bags. Yeah, and and for an airline that has rather high labor costs and all the other stuff. Yeah, I mean, look, it's it you know again part of it's that just that domestic exposure, um, that all nearly all domestic U.S. exposure. Um, although you know they're they're starting up from their in in in, in relative to to you know to their network a rather ambitious international push uh, from Fort Lauderdale, uh, uh, in, in particular. Where they're uh, where they've added a new concourse, um, so yeah, no, it's it's good. I mean, look, I I always look at Southwest as as an airline that has more opportunities than anybody else, rather easy opportunities than anybody else to uh, to improve things. I mean, yeah, twenty one percent's real good, but um, but if you could uh, if you could do better, which um, you know. Uh, which they rather clearly could, then why not do it? And I'm talking about um, bag fees. I'm talking about uh, broader distribution going into the online travel agencies, uh, uh, you know, like Expedia and, and so forth. Uh, I'm talking about seat assignments. Um, they still don't sell double connections, um, which, which uh, with their network, uh, is 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 a big opportunity. Probably not as big as as, as the first three that I mentioned. Uh, you know, and with all those things, look, they believe that for that 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 you know for for them it makes sense not to charge for bags, and for them it makes sense uh, uh, not to be in the OTAs, and for them it makes sense uh, not not to not to offer seat assignments. But uh, I'm just telling you, every other airline that's done those things has has found has found doing them profitable, and and it's just. It's just a little bit difficult to believe the the, the, the that, that for some reason they wouldn't work at Southwest. In fact, some of those things, if any, if anything, should should be more important at Southwest. Like you know, be, uh, the bag fees and being able to lower the base fares of 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 of, of tickets, which which happens when you charge bag fees. If anything, for the shortest haul U.S. airline, which is what Southwest is, uh, where you compete somewhat with car trips. You know, um, being able to lower your base fares a little bit in exchange for even more bag revenue uh, is, is a very is is uh, if anything more more powerful for Southwest than it is for those other airlines. So, um, yeah, it's probably half billion dollars right there for them to take anytime they want it. You know, in ways that would make customers happy. You know, there are people who want um, assigned seats and, and and all the rest of it, but you know, they they don't seem inclined to do those things. And uh, you know, this is a very conservative airline that when they're doing. Uh, in the absolute, as as well as they are doing right now, um, is 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 probably uh, not not going to change those things. Okay, we'll wrap it right there. Seth, you've certainly given us some insight on the condition of U.S. airlines. To sum it up, things are pretty damn good. For Seth Kaplan, <laughs> I'm Jason Cottrell, and you've been listening to the Airline Weekly Lounge. This episode of the Airline Weekly Lounge was sponsored by IATA Training. Visit www.iata.org training to discover more than 350 courses to help boost your career in aviation. That's iata.org training.